You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. Okay, well, welcome to this episode of Around the King's Table. I'm Brian. And I'm George. George, as always, is with me. And George, today we want to talk about the first half of 1 Peter. Mm-hmm. And that's not coming out of nowhere for us. Uh, we've been studying 1 Peter together as a church this semester. Uh, that's where we've sort of perched our, our preaching. And as we've officially reached the halfway point of this really incredible letter, uh, I thought it'd be a good time for us to do a bit of reflection on its themes and, and maybe some of its impact to date in the life of our church. Sure. So, allergies and all. Mm-hmm. <coughs> <coughs> Let us just begin with this. So at the Mount, uh, we aim to exposit biblical texts Mm -hmm. to do what's called expositional preaching. Sure. And so, George, how would you define expositional preaching? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think we would start with just saying you're taking the, the text, its actual... Um, the text itself, its historical setting, um, its theological context, and using that to actually explain the meaning uh, to those who are who are listening. Um, that way, the application we get out is directly tied to the actual meaning of the passage in question. We're not, you know, sort of out in left field. Uh, finding applications that are good but not related to the text, and just using the text as a proof. Mm. Um, Usually we define it like sort of in in sort of contrary to topical preaching where we're going to, you know, just fix a topic for, you know, a month or something. And we're just finding verses that seem to support what we're saying, but we're not really dealing with the text and then bringing it to the people. We're dealing with a topic and just finding helpful texts. And that that has its place, but in preaching, it's helpful to, to start with the text and then expound that to, to, to explain what it does for an audience who is separated in time and space from, you know, a lot of the events. So it needs it kind of brought down um, and explained. Yeah. Yeah. The way that I've <clears throat> heard it again, very simply, is just that the main point or thrust of the preacher's sermon is the main point or thrust of the text. That's a great, simple definition. Um, and the only thing that I think I would probably add to that is that if we're doing that, if we're doing it correctly and completely, it, it must always really come to a head in Christ, if not be completely saturated uh, with right. him. Jesus himself has said that, you know, he's the focus of all of all the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, there's obviously a, a whole ton of things that we could say here about expositional preaching, but maybe we'll save that for another uh, sure. podcast. But yeah, we're ultimately just wanting to to let the text speak for itself mm-hmm. and get and get our hearts to, to Jesus in that in that text. Now I will say, I mean often people do kind of kind of equate that with a verse by verse, but I think we can yeah. kind of avoid that in one sense in that um, while we'll go say through a book of First Peter, we'll go, you know, we're going to go through it in, in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Um, during an individual sermon, sometimes you're not going to go verse by verse when you're doing expositional preaching. So especially like if you're doing the gospel, some, some sort of narrative, often 
a verse by verse is not actually going to be the best way to do expositional preaching. It may actually miss something. And so there is a distinction between those two sometimes. You're having to do the hard work of having the, a greater sense of the text. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So there's also, you know, yeah. in, inside of expositional, rather than just kind of get locked in laser focus on the pat, yeah. you're also dealing with the whole book you're in, the whole right. canon of scripture itself. So there's some things that help. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Now we are in First Peter, so it's didactic. It's it's letter, it right? yeah, and so exactly. we, we do, are tending to go a little more verse by verse, by verse, verse. as we go through mm-hmm. through that letter. And so far, uh, we've actually just finished through verse seven of chapter three. And so my next question for you would be this: uh, How would you summarize First Peter, the message of First Peter, uh, to this point? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the major thing has is going to be that we have hope. Um, we don't have to be confused when we face trials uh, because Christ has experienced the same. Um, and he gives us both an example of that endurance, um, mm-hmm. plus he's given us the perfect sacrifice. So it's not just, oh, here's Jesus, be like him. That is totally right. necessary. Um, but also Jesus has made it possible for us to endure yeah. uh, because of what he's done on the cross. He's bought our endurance. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. And then finally, kind of summing up where we've been most recently is just that idea of being a faithful servant, of mm-hmm. following through, of you know a holy conduct then lived out yeah. before a watching world. Yeah. Yeah, so this is what I I put down in my notes, uh, that in a world opposed to Jesus, we're to press on behind Jesus, Mm -hmm. in the family of Jesus, to and because of the inheritance of Jesus. Nice. And so we're getting sort of the, again, the, the cultural, the societal aspect of it there, uh, that, that I think not, it's not just true of first Peter's, um, time and, and audience, but but just of every, you know, since the fall, every generation since the fall. Right. Uh, that there is opposition to to Christ and to real Christianity. Uh, we're to assume that and, and live publicly for Jesus in the midst of it. We're to press on behind him. He is the one that is leading us. We're following him. We're to do this not as uh, individual or isolated Christians, but I think Peter is really focused on you need to be in, in a church mm-hmm. family we must say a local church he gets to talking about the the spiritual household of god and so right. on and so forth and in chapter two and, and that ultimately we're able to endure yes wonderfully because we have this family that's enduring with us but also because we do have this living hope in front of us as well like mm-hmm. it doesn't the, our following jesus doesn't end in the dirt right you know it doesn't end with the cross there's resurrection beyond it as well absolutely and that is the great hope that that presses us on so we have titled uh, our series in First Peter just this, A Living Hope for Holy Living When That Life is Hard. That's our, our title of it. So I think that kind that of is a, a good summary of First of Peter for us. Now, if we can then zoom in for a moment, what are some of the more particular themes of the letter that have stood out for you sure. so far? Sure. Uh, obviously, then the first is going to just be that that enduring in trial as a, as a mm-hmm. theme. How to how to do that? How to yep. emulate Jesus and how he dealt yep. with trial about shame, um, uh, uh, being you know unjustly yeah. treated. And so that mm-hmm. was a major theme. Yeah. Um, the the whole idea of living as strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not raised as Americans. Most of us here probably listening to this are, are Americans, but you know, we're not necessarily raised to think of ourselves as strangers. And mm-hmm. P- Peter's saying, you're a stranger. Yeah. You're no longer really the yeah. the, the citizen of, of the kingdom you were before. So there's yeah. this whole 
both stranger, but also then re-allegiance and kingdom yeah. thing going on that we sometimes overlook. And in Paul's yeah. material, we can kind of ignore the kingdom side of it. But we see kind of in the Gospels, we see in Peter, we see in Hebrews, this kingdom mentality coming out where we're citizens, ambassadors of a kingdom. And so we not only yeah. take on the purposes, but we take on the character of the king as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, That's really good. Uh, the, the one other the, is this whole idea of we, we focus a lot, especially with our focus on, you know, Pauline epistles. We often think of um, guilt and righteousness as the major thing we see in Christianity. Uh, but I think Peter, especially in chapter one, but then as he gets into dealing with authorities and dealing with servants, he brings out this idea of the, the shame and honor and how Christ has actually effectively both dealt with guilt and righteousness, but he's also effectively dealt with our shame. Um, as we deal with trial and mm-hmm. that brings shame on us, we look to Christ and see that he's overcome that shame for right. us. And yeah. we have a new kind of honor. And then yeah. we offer a new kind of honor back to others around mm-hmm. us. Yeah. So. We're to live unashamedly. Exactly. For him, even while we're being shamed. Yeah. For him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, one of the things I think uh, for me, again, has just been the prominence of a healthy church mm-hmm. to radiant evangelical Christianity. So nice. like right there at the center of the letter, uh, you, you get first uh, Peter two, I believe it's two nine where he's, he's letting us know who we are in Christ as, as the people, as the people of God, mm-hmm. right? This Royal priesthood, this holy nation, yep. this chosen race. And then he gives the purpose for which he's called us. You know, he's called us to be proclaiming the excellencies of him that's right. who has brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And mm-hmm. so that's really at the center of the letter. But I think what's been striking for me, uh, a specific theme that's been striking for me is just the the importance of the Christian, again, the individual Christian being part of a healthy local church and how that then becomes um, a pulpit for the proclamation of, of Christ. Yeah. That that the healthy local church is, is vital for you to actually fulfill your calling as a Christian mm-hmm. uh, because there was a calling upon the church that you're a part of to be proclaiming Jesus. And so I think that's definitely been uh, one of the things that's that stood out uh, for me. That's right. Uh, the other one, and probably because we've just spent so much time going through it from uh, verse, what is it, verse 11 all the way through to uh, verse 7 of chapter 3, or I guess even to, to, to 17 now that we're beyond chapter 3, verse 17, <laughs> um, is just the cruciform shape of the Christian life. Yeah, absolutely. That the risen life, that the person who has been raised from the dead by Christ in their souls or in their hearts or what have you, is they're going to begin to look like Jesus That's right. as he walked in this world. You know, yeah. we're going to be uh, supernaturally submissive. We're going to be gentle with those who oppose us, those who are our detractors, those who try to take advantage of us, do us harm. We're going to love our enemies. Uh, When we are struck down, we're not going to strike back. These kinds of things I think are just like, and I've heard from folks in our congregation, which we're going to get to in a second, like that has been something that has been uh, especially poignant and powerful Mm -hmm. for them is is to see, um, you know, the cross is not something that's to be an abstraction from the Christian life. The Christian life is cruciform. It takes the shape of the cross and it becomes a living display 
of the grace of Jesus to one another and to outsiders. Yeah. And as we mentioned, maybe in a previous podcast, even we turn that it's not just that living. It's also that, you know, our evangelism is not just something off to the side. It's really something that comes and stems out of that trial Mm -hmm. that experience of suffering with christ we use that we turn that into opportunities to actually say this is why i hope this is why i do this why i I put up with this kind of suffering yeah that whole section from 2 9 to 317 Mm -hmm. it starts with proclaim him your life is really important to the proclamation of him here's what your life is going to look like yep it's going to be really hard you're going to suffer. There are going to be trials. Endure it well. And that's going to give you opportunity to sure. proclaim yeah, it. Proclaim, it. <laughs> proclaim yeah. Christ again. So, yeah, that's been that's been really, really good uh, uh, for for my heart and, uh, and I hope for our church. Um, all right. So anything maybe that you didn't expect from Peter, but as we've sort of marched through again, verse by verse as we've gone, you found this to be maybe a good surprise or, or something just particularly useful yeah, um, I really, 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 really like the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been struck by not necessarily expecting it, some of the connections that Peter uses sort of the same sort of ideas, um, especially if you look at like a 110, 120 through 21, where he's really mm-hmm. talking about Jesus being the kind of the full expression of what the prophets were sharing before, what the prophets were looking into. We have, yeah. you know, Hebrews 1, you know, he, he, various times and various ways God has spoken to us through the prophets, but now in the end times, he's spoken to us through his son. Right. And Peter really sharing that same kind of ideas that we have a fuller revelation because we had Christ inaugurating his kingdom among us and mm-hmm. now the, the the preaching of the apostles to share exactly what christ was doing in that we have like expert yeah. commentary on what jesus has accomplished yeah. so yeah yeah and uh you know i'll be the i'll be the the one to do it here but uh the peter's peter's one verse plea to husbands yep um you know it was was especially um helpful uh, for me, just in studying that and then coming to, to preach it again, it's just one verse, uh, but but so so good, so necessary. Um, because otherwise, I think I think his call to to Christian wives and to Christian women um, could be misconstrued Come in, in a lot unbalanced. of ways. That's right, that's yeah. right. And so he comes to husbands and calls us to to live with our wives in an understanding way, or however we want to translate that from from the Greek, the understanding way, or according to the knowledge of God, or whatever it is supposed to be there. But the idea is that we're to really care about our wives. Sure. You know, we're to live with them in a gentle way. We're to be living with them in a way that. It really does care for their souls um, in a non, absolutely non-abusive way, but in a right. self-sacrificial and loving way. And, and then that that our prayers, so our own way of relating to right. God, uh, are is on the line in how we are relating to our our wives. God's like, listen, you think this is not important? It's very important it's very that you important. love your wife, yep. yeah, and you care for her. So that's been something that I think has has really touched me as a Christian husband um along the same sort of line here uh any specific verse or set of verses that have captured your heart as we've gone through the letter yeah one stood out and that that that's uh chapter two verses nine through ten yeah um and what stuck with me is their kind of relationship with hosea chapter one this whole idea of once a people not a people 
uh, now people once not having mercy now having mercy Mm -hmm. and you get to see this fulfillment really i mean you have hosea basically telling the the Mm -hmm. nation um, of israel the northern kingdom you know you you basically treated your inheritance as nothing um but in the end, you'll be my people again. I'm going to make this right. And he does the same with us. Mm-hmm. So he's made us into a people who can show yeah. off his glory, even yeah. though we really didn't deserve it. Yeah. And it's a Jewish and Gentile people, Correct. I would add. Combined. Yep. Yes. I would add there yeah. also. Yeah. A couple for me. I love the end of, of chapter 1, verse 12, with Nathan preached on just the angels, right? It's just such a wonderful uh, thought to think, you know, that the angels are looking in on the gospel of Jesus with awe and wonder, you know, it's just, I don't know, like our hearts really should rise as far as they can to that occasion of this is such a glorious gospel that we have in Jesus. What a glorious savior we have that even angels are, are adoring him from from above or Absolutely. wherever. Yeah. Uh, another one it was chapter two, verse seventeen for me. Uh, the uh, honor honor everyone. Mm-hmm. A lot of this this one specifically because our culture is just so absolutely not yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> but but honoring everyone, love the brotherhood, meaning the church. Love mm-hmm. your brothers and sisters in Christ. So yep. love goes to them. Fear God. And then he comes back and says, honor the emperor. Mm. Well, of course, you go like on social media and all this kind of stuff today. And it's like, we're just blasting the emperor. We're, we're blasting the, 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 the politics and right, the politicians. Right. And we can't get along with one another. And we're not honoring people. We're treating them as less than people and all this kind of stuff. Right. And, and Peter's like, no, 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 no. And he's living in a time, I'm not sure that it's Nero or whatever, but it's definitely uh, not easy to be a Christian in that culture, right? Right. This is not an emperor that we would say is uh, necessarily a a moral exemplar. This is not someone that we're, you know, but but at any rate, he's saying to these Christians who very well in the near future could be dying for their faith at the hands of this emperor, um, honor him, Mm. you know, give him the same respect, interestingly, sort of a condescending way, but not in like a a bad condescending way, but he's saying, you know, the same thing that you give to every human being, give to the emperor, because at the end of the day, that's all he is. Right. Right. Exactly. exactly. It's honor. (laughs) Right. Right. Honor him, but he's just a man. Fear God. Right. So you get into issues of liberty of conscience and all that kind of stuff that, that the Lord alone is, is getting our, our worship and our adoration and our love and our obedience Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day. And then again, the centrality of the church and yeah. all of that, that there's a special relationship we're to have with the brotherhood Absolutely. Um, yeah. in the midst of all that. Yeah. Nice. So there was that. And then, and then finally uh, you get to verses 21 and 25 of chapter two and you get the, the whatever, whether it's a Christ hymn or whatever it is, but that's, that's obviously like a, right. a, a mountain peak yeah. in, in first Peter uh, where we get to see Christ um, obviously as our savior, uh, from our sins, uh, but also as our, in, in a real sense, and we tend to shy away from this, I think, a little bit, but but in a real sense, uh, Peter's holding him out as our exemplar, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So uh, that for me was also just Echoes a really great... Isaiah 53, 52. Yeah, yeah. right. Was a that, great, that, that's, great passage. That, first Peter has just been an awesome book it in is. general, just for the way it grabs Old Testament <laughs> and pulls it in so that we don't yeah. get lost and think, you know, we're so detached from what, God was saying the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
really, really good. And so pastorally, uh, as we sort of step back and try to measure the good that God has done in our church by First Peter over the past couple of months, uh, anything you discern in the way of just impact, fruitfulness uh, amongst the, the flock right now? Sure. And, and it ties back also, I mean, we just finished Job before we did First right. Peter. And we've, so we we're focusing on <laughs> trials, but from the perspective of how do you be a good counsel? Yeah. How do you be a good Christian brother, sister mm-hmm. um, in, in the body? Yep. Um, and this kind of working in the other side of it is how do you endure and stand up under trial and actually show holy conduct? Uh, I think that both of them have fit with our cultural setting of dealing with these yeah. trials that try to separate, isolate, and keep us from being a body, um, this really speaks into, well, how do you continue to be a body in the midst of that? How do you mm-hmm. still connect with one another, show love, show holy deference to authorities? How yeah. do you, at the same time, follow Christ when he calls us to stand against authorities? So mm-hmm. all of that, I thought, has worked in our body very well. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen people reflecting on that and, and you know, interacting with that. So. Mm-hmm. I think it was a, it, it, the book fits the time we're in. So yeah, it does very well. And uh, I think along with that, I mean, I've, uh, I've spoken with a few folks. Um, one was a a college college student who was just um, remarking about uh, how good it has been uh, to to have his heart set on uh, the cross of of Christ, and mm-hmm. how again that's to be displayed in his life. Sure. Just the contrast with what he's seeing in the world, where everything is self, me, you know, me, selfish, self fulfillment, self preservation, and yep. all this kind of stuff. And then here comes Peter, and he's saying, "No, that's not the good life." In fact, he right. was listening to the sermon that we did on the good life, and he was like, "That was just transformative for me." Sure. Was to hear that the good life is the life of cross bearing, trusting, entrusting myself to God. And, and believing that at the end of the day, there's resurrection beyond the cross. And so it's all going to be worth it. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So the self-sacrificial nature of the Christian uh, life is is one of the things there. Talked with someone else who said, all the way back at the beginning of our time in First Peter, just the focus on our future inheritance um, mm-hmm. in contrast to uh, our possessions in this world and all those things sure. that are fading and perishable and defiled by sin. And just so just the... The, the setting forth of that living hope, you know, we're not real clear on it in scripture necessarily. You know, we try to, we, we pick our, our spots and stuff like that. Right. And the Lord's given us some things to just really capture our amazement at the end of the day <clears throat> and for all eternity. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just to think on an inheritance in Christ, in the presence of God that is imperishable, yeah. undefiled. Like sin is gone, yep. you know, and unfading. Like it never gets boring. Whatever, whatever, whatever it is, whatever is there for us to enjoy. Like it, it never gets boring. It never fades. The glory. And it empowers now. It's not just oh, it's eternal, but yes. it, it should affect everything now. Even though yes, it's the future. But it's, it's the now. joy for which Christ, and therefore we, endure the cross. That's right. There is a gravitational pull. Due to its glory, yep. that pulls us through the the sometimes the, the slog, the the sanctified slog of right. this of this world. Yep. Yeah. Um, the last one does go back to just sort of our our, our present moment in in culture, and it was a, a lady in our church who's just saying, um, choosing obedience to Christ, right, knowing the cost, 
and with that experiencing the cost and continuing to obey Christ nonetheless, uh, nonetheless, and, and then that related to how we graciously relate to our detractors, mm-hmm. particularly like she, you know, she's feeling some kind of like tug to be critical of government officials and all this kind of stuff. And, right. and so that passage in especially, you know, uh, of, of part of what it means for us to be obedient to Jesus mm-hmm. is to be gracious towards those who are not so gracious to us. Right. You know? Yeah. It's and not so, a fight fire with fire. It's, it's yeah. fight fire with something else. Like we said, we've been redeemed from fire to, <laughs> to, to fight it with something else, right. namely the cross the of cross. Christ. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. Well, any final thoughts, brother? Yeah. I, I, we're in a time period where I think the, the, the call on us to recognize ourselves as citizens of a different kingdom and strangers mm-hmm. in this world is going to become more and more important as a Christian body, um, mm-hmm. not just as individuals, but as a Christian body to see ourselves as strangers um, who have a message to share um, from its king mm-hmm. um, that the world is not just, oh yeah, that's just the norm. But something mm-hmm. that's actually, it's countercultural. It, it calls us to something unique and different. I think that this is going to become more and more and more necessary for us as believers. Yeah, to hear that we are in the world, but that we're not, not of, of it. it. Yep. So while we're in it, we're to be for Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah, at all costs. All right. Thanks, brother. Yeah.